Welcome to Take This Poem Podcast, where we explore the rich, wild things that good poems can do in the everyday lives of ordinary folks. I'm your host, Mary Guidis. Whether you're a longtime poetry lover like I am, or just barely interested, I invite you to take this poem. I hope it amends the soil of your life. Hello, dear listeners. Sometimes when I'm thinking about what episode to make next, I overthink it a little bit. And then it's always a relief when I remember all I have to do is bring a good poem or two. And that always feels like a relief. And I do think that's the relief that good art can give us. We don't have to say anything. We can look at the painting, watch the movie, listen to the orchestra piece, read the poem, and not talk too much about it. It is itself good, even if we have nothing to say at the moment. Now, don't worry, I do have things to say, I always do, don't I? But it helps me get on here to realize I can let the poems do most of the talking. My theme today is horses, horse poems. What is the deal with horses and people and people putting horses in poems? That's what I've been thinking about a lot in the last year. Had a few years living with horse crazy daughters and they've made me notice horses in the wild and pay more attention to those. They've also been, had my eyes peeled for horses in poems. Why aren't there donkey poems? Why aren't there more, you know, zebra and cow poems? There's something about horses. Horses themselves, essentially, and what horses mean to humans. And the reason I chose the two poems that I brought today is because not only do they feature horses, but they seem to me to at least be stepping toward answering this question with me, acknowledging that horses to people are more than just another animal. There's something there that we see, some sort of hunger, loneliness, kinship. I don't know. Let's read these and find out. The first poem is by a brilliant contemporary poet, Jill Osier. She's living and writing now. I hope she's still writing. And when I read her poetry, I am just amazed by the beauty, the mystery, and I guess I would say originality. Although I read the poems and I think, yes, yes, I get this. It works. It's so good. At the same time, I feel like I'm watching a human mind that's very different from mine, very different from most poetic minds that I've seen on the page of the poems. And it's so intriguing. She's thinking so differently and yet it works so well, in my opinion. This poem is called Of Unsent Letters One by Jill Osier. The man who bought the field has horses, and they're out there now, fenced wide and loosely. I've been upset over the whole thing, losing the beloved silo pit. Why have I clung to a stone ring all these years? But now I admit I love to see them, have become, I don't know, obsessed. I've never owned a horse. I don't remember fully the last time I was on one, but they fill, nonetheless, an emptiness. There are several places at the edge of town where horses are kept, 
two in the pasture by the river, two more behind the barn on Stockyard Street, a young mare that walks the fence with me along the gravel road, a restless one bucking in his own circles off the old highway, two watching as I head out toward the cemetery, and now these, there are three behind my house. I want to watch them all the time. It seems more important than anything else I could be doing. When the sun comes up over the hill, they are there, perfect and restful. When I come home, they are grazing, still oblivious. I go out while their backs have the moon on them, the air thick, my feet wet with alfalfa. At night, they are the darkest shadows in the field. Oh man, I love those last lines. To me, this one really builds. And when it gets to that image of the night and the darkness and the horses being darker than the darkness, there's something about that. Real good stuff. Okay, so what do I see here? One thing interesting to me is circles. She mentions the ring of the silo pit that was torn down to make room for the horses. She mentions a horse bucking in his own circles. And it seems to me that her walking, she mentions walking on the edge of town, walking to the cemetery. I picture a circular pattern of walking around town um, on a little horse walk, counting all the horses as she goes away from home and then back. And then she also mentions the sun coming up over the hill and then going down at night on the backs of the horses. And all of these circles, she is the only person, she mentions, and it's she and these horses within the circles formed by the poem. And I think she's pretty explicit with what she's trying to say in a lot of ways. She mentions loneliness and emptiness and even maybe the futility of those circles bucking around in circles and the mystery of an animal that she is obsessed with can't stop staring at and yet they are oblivious restful peaceful going about their business without being much affected by what's going on in the mind of the humans who are observing them It's interesting to me because of the other poem that I'm going to ring, read that she mentions Stockyard Street because the next poem I'm going to read mentions a very specific place name as well. I wonder why two horse poems would mention proper noun specific places and I think that's part of horses. When you're standing looking over the fence into the eyes of a horse, you're in a very specific place and time. And the horse gives an awareness of that, and that might be a gift to people, to be rooted, to be in the moment, to know where they are. This poem is a little longer than a lot of Jill Osier's poems, and the title of Unsent Letters 1, I wonder if because this might be formed after a letter that she gave herself permission to talk more. Wouldn't it be interesting to be the pen pal of a poet and to get letters like this? basically a laundry list of the horses in her life. I'm going to read this again. The man who bought the field has horses, and they're out there now, fenced wide and loosely. 
I've been upset over the whole thing, losing the beloved silo pit. Why have I clung to a stone ring all these years? But now, I admit, I love to see them. Have become, I don't know, obsessed? I've never owned a horse. I don't remember fully the last time I was on one, but they fill, nonetheless, an emptiness. There are several places at the edge of town where horses are kept, two in the pasture by the river, two more behind the barn on Stockyard Street. A young mare that walks the fence with me along the gravel road. A restless one bucking in his own circles off the old highway. Two watching as I head out toward the cemetery. And now these, there are three, behind my house. I want to watch them all the time. It seems more important than anything else I could be doing. When the sun comes up over the hill, they are there, perfect and restful. When I come home, they are grazing, still oblivious. I go out while their backs have the moon on them, the air thick, my feet wet with alfalfa. At night, they are the darkest shadows in the field. The other poem I have today is by James Wright. He passed away in the very early 80s, I believe. And his biography is characterized by hard living and a variety of mental health struggles and various combinations of those two things. Sometimes it's hard to pull out which might be which um, or cause which, but he had a difficult life with a lot of depression and darkness, and yet his poetry is remarkably unwilling to give up on hope and the human spirit and some sort of brightness that tends to break through in spite of the gloom and the struggles and the um, dispossession that's often in his poems. Now, he does, in this one, break, I think, a few horse rules. I, You'll see, he reads emotion into them. He thinks he can read their minds. He anthropomorphizes them. He makes them what he wants them to be. He makes them into girls. He thinks they love him. This is a lot of stuff that I think is dangerous territory and would maybe tend to make me not appreciate a poem. But this one's just so endearing. It's hard to resist. And really, ultimately, maybe seeing love in a horse's sparkling eyes or feeling some sort of um, certainty that, oh, this animal knows me and loves me. Maybe that is part of the gift of dogs and horses and animals in general to human beings. That in a really dark and lonesome moment, you perceive affection and love and kinship coming from another large mammal and sometimes that's what we need so I can forgive him Ooh, you know what I just noticed having these poems side by side is that they both contain an expression of desire one in the Jalosier poem she says I want to look at them all the time and in the poem I'm about to read there's a where the speaker says, I would like to, 
and then goes on to say what he desires. And that's really fascinating to me. That's what I kind of suspected with horses in general. When I'm thinking to myself, what's the deal with people and horses? I suspect that when somebody wants a horse, that's just the tip of the iceberg, that that represents a lot of other things that people want, but that maybe are harder to say. I think when a teenage girl is horse crazy, I don't think she just wants a horse. I think she wants freedom, speed, muscle, companionship. Use your imagination. And I think it's the same with all of us. When we want horses, they can lead us to speak maybe the truth about what it is that we want in addition to them. Being able to say straight out what you want is hard work. It's risky. It can be embarrassing. I love when it happens in a poem. It's one of my favorite things. And it's pretty fun that I noticed that both of these have just that little flicker of, of sudden honesty about what is desired. I'm only going to read this poem one time. I'll try to go nice and slow, and you can listen again if you want to. Before I do, I just wanted to welcome you to let me know through email or text or however you might want to if you have a good horse poem that you would like me to share or that you would like to share or that you just want to chat about. I am open to hearing about more to add to my list of good horse poems. So let me know. Be in touch. Okay, let me find it. This is a blessing by James Wright. Just off the highway to Rochester, Minnesota, twilight bounds softly forth on the grass, and the eyes of those two Indian ponies darken with kindness. They have come gladly out of the willows to welcome my friend and me. We step over the barbed wire into the pasture where they have been grazing all day alone. They ripple tensely. They can hardly contain their happiness that we have come. They bow shyly as wet swans. They love each other. There is no loneliness like theirs. At home once more they begin munching the young tufts of spring in the darkness. I would like to hold the slenderer one in my arms for she has walked over to me and nuzzled my left hand. She is black and white, her mane falls wild on her forehead, and the light breeze moves me to caress her long ear that is delicate as the skin over a girl's wrist. Suddenly I realized that if I stepped out of my body, I would break into blossom. Part of my vision for this podcast was to have it be interactive. I pictured a virtual bonfire poetry reading where friends, family, local poets, and you can come together to warm our hands on some poetry. If there's a poem that has done some action in your everyday life, surprised you, delighted you, or maybe just more quietly worked its way into your bones, you know I would love to hear about it. Email me at takethispoempodcast at gmail.com and let me know your story. Maybe you can join me in sharing it with others as well.